Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We have no wealth on our own concerning the grace of God. We are just stewards of the grace that he gives to us. Don't waste his grace. Do not waste it. Do not waste it. He's invested that into you. And there will be a day when he comes to collect on that. And how are you reinvesting that grace that he has supplied to you? Okay, because he'll be coming to collect on those accounts. Are you aware of the incredible gift of grace that God has given us? In today's message, Pastor James shares about how as Christians, we're stewards of God's grace. As stewards of God's grace, it's important that we use it wisely and intentionally. We should seek to use our gifts and talents to serve others and bring glory to God. When we do this, we become agents of change and transformation in the world around us. So don't waste the incredible gift of grace that God's given to you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. word, that term fervently in the Greek, it, it speaks of an athlete who is reaching out, stretching out for the finish line. They're like doing everything they can to reach that finish line. That's, he says that, that should be your love for each other in the church, is that you are, you're reaching out to each other, for each other. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love knows how to come alongside and help somebody when they need it. It doesn't like we, we shove sin over here and we never talk about it. No, because love is, truth is spoken in, in love. And sometimes we have to address sin. But there's a way in which we address sin, and it should be in a loving way, in a safe way. And... Um, I was reading through this commentary, and the, and the guy, had, he likened it like this. Love takes the oxygen out of sin. So imagine you've got a fire that's burning, right? And you remove the oxygen from the flames, the fire will die out. And that's what he says. He says, this portion of Scripture, this love that covers a multitude of sins, it's like we're trying to take the oxygen out of sin in that person's life. We're trying to stop the fire. And that's what we should be doing for each other, because we all miss the mark, okay? The sin, it's, you, you're going to miss the mark. It's just what happens in this life in following Jesus. And we're still, yes, we're sinners saved by the grace of God. We're, we're redeemed, and we're covered by him. It's a beautiful thing. But we're all still going to be missing the mark. And as a church family, we should be, know how to come alongside each other and, in one sense, hide each other. Not hide the sin, not like some churches have done in the past. Where it, No, I'm not talking, if it's criminal activity, there's no hiding that. There's no hiding that. This isn't talking about that. This is talking about missing the mark. And if somebody is caught up in sin, we as brothers and sisters should know how to come alongside them and help put the flame out. 
That's love. It's taking that blanket and it's putting it over that fire to what? To, to kill the oxygen, to cut off the fuel supply. That's, that's how we should be loving each other in these last days. Self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of our prayers, and above all, keep loving one another earnestly, for love covers a multitude of sins. <clears throat> There's a lot of cross-references for this. Um, I'm just going to read these out to you. If, if you want to go there later in your own personal time, you can. But I will read Proverbs 10:12, which is what Peter quoted from. He says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. That's found in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 13 is called the love chapter. It's all about love and what love actually looks like. Okay? If you want a good, clear definition of what love is, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Don't go to the world to get your definition for love. Go to the Word of God to find your definition for love. Things are really muddy right now in our world. What is love? Love is love. Love is not love. Okay, define that term. Please define those two terms. Okay, because I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't make sense to me. Love is love. No, no, love is, is Jesus. Jesus is love. When I read through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I can interchange Jesus and love in each and every one of those verses. That's what love is. Love is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a choice. It's an action verb is, is my understanding of that. It's something that we choose to do. You want to know how to love each other? Well, just go back and, and study the life of Jesus. That's how we should love each other. And he loved in radical ways. I love studying the, the life of Jesus. I absolutely love it because he blows all of our modern conceptions out of the water and even our churchy conceptions out of the water, right? Of like what's right and what's wrong and well, we can't love them, but we can, no, 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 that's, what did Jesus do, right? I don't need a bracelet to tell me that. Like what did he do? Go to the scriptures. Who did he pursue? Who did he go after? That's love, that's love. Love is a physician, a great physician going after sick people. That's what love is. Love is breaking free of all the, the constraints of religiosity to go after people who needed him. You don't have the story of the woman at the well unless Jesus was willing to break the rules of religion. That's what love is. You don't have Jesus throwing a party at Matthew's house unless he is love. Zacchaeus' house. That's love. That's what love is. If you're confused at all about what love is, go back to Jesus. He lived it. He displayed it beautifully, amazingly. In the church, we, we should be like that. We should be like that. Love like that. Love each other like that, fervently, reaching out, stretching out towards that finish line. Um. Me and a couple of my kids got the chance to watch the last half of Rocky chapter, or Rocky 3, not chapter 3, it's not a book. Um, <laughs> although, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you're like, that's not a good movie. Um, well, okay. Uh, hey, whatever. Um, I enjoyed it. There's, if you've ever watched any 80s movies, especially Sylvester Stallone movies, um, action movies, 
there, there's like a, a prerequisite for making an 80s movie. And that is like, number one, you have to have a montage. Okay, that has to be there, right? Like these clips to a music video kind of a deal. Like that has to be a part of it, right? Is it needed? Well, no, but it, you, it's 80s. You have to have it. But then there also has to be like a slow-mo scene. And so as we are enjoying Rocky Three, and as Apollo Creed is training Rocky to beat Clubber Lang, I know too much about it. Like, my, like when I was growing up, I was going to be, like Rocky was my hero. Whether it was Rambo or Rocky, like I was, whatever he was doing, that's what I was going to do, okay? And I walked out of movie theaters thinking I was either like going after some, you know, the Russians, no offense to you guys, uh, they're not watching. Or maybe they are, I don't know. Who knows nowadays? Or whatever. There seemed to be a lot of Russian things there. That was the 80s too. Fighting one in the ring. But there was this crazy scene. And it's, yeah, you watch it and you're going to be like, this movie's terrible. Okay, whatever. But it's slow-mo and they're racing and they're, they're reaching out. And it is awkward and uncomfortable because the facial expressions and all that good stuff. But that's kind of the thing is like that reaching out every single fiber of your being to cross that line. Like, that's, that's who we are, who we should be in loving each other. Like, how willing are you to pursue after somebody within this church? How willing are you? You know there's people suffering in this room right now. You know that practically there are people going through very difficult times in this room right now. They may not tell you. They should, but they may not tell you. But that's why we, we want to be like clear-minded, self-controlled. So we're hearing from the Holy Spirit too of like, hey, is, is everything okay with you? Because I get a feeling that it's not. And you, you may not want to tell me what's going on and that's fine, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for you right now. I'm going to pursue you. And I will pray for you. I'm not the solution to your problems. But I know how to take you to the one who is. We have to do that as a church. You cannot sit on the sidelines. You cannot sit on the sidelines. Church is not participate. It's not a spectator sport. It's a participation type thing. And I'm telling you right now, there are people in this room right now, and more than I even know, that need somebody to reach out to them. That need somebody to reach out to them. Be clear-minded, sober-minded. Holy Spirit, when I show up to church today, lead me, guide me. Who, who do I need to minister to? Who do I need to talk to? Who should I pray for today? That's before you walk in this door each and every Sunday, each and every Thursday. Whenever these doors are open, make that your prayer before you come in here, please. Please. I mean, look around. There's no way in the world I can... I, there's no way in the world I could be the one to help all of you. There's just no way. It's not practical. And that's not even the point of what I do. That's not even the point of this whole thing. The point of what we do is that we come together as a body and we minister to each other. We fervently love each other. We fervently love each other. It's a two-way road, though. Okay? So I spoke to one half, and we speak to the other half. If you are suffering, you need to reach out you need to reach out. It, it's, it's time to let it go. Holding it on you know, yourself, bearing that weight on your own shoulders, it's time to let it go. Okay? Because what you're doing, and I don't want to be, I don't, don't 
please don't think that I'm beating up on anybody. You have brothers and sisters in this room who are gifted in ways they can minister to you. Do not deprive them of the opportunity to use their gift that God has entrusted with them. Okay? Two-way road. It's a two-way road. And I know vulnerability is not the funnest thing in the world, but it has to be part of who we are. We will not make it as a whole if we cannot pursue each other out of love. Okay? We'll just become another social club. We'll just become another, oh, that's, oh, Calvary Galveston. Yeah, go check it out. It's a church. They sing songs, teach the word, all that good stuff. We're more than that. We're more than that. This is a hospital. And we're all sick. And Jesus is a great physician. And so we need each other. And we need him. So we got to come alongside each other and encourage each other, pursue each other fervently, right? Next part. You guys do really well at this, okay? I'm not saying you don't do well at the first thing, but I am saying we do need to get better at that, though. Don't, don't mistake me. We do need to get better at that last part. But this other part, you guys are, like, killing it on this area. This is kind of cool, right? Show hospitality to one another. Oh, wait, without grumbling. Okay, so there's a little caveat there, like a little add-on, right? Like, like, hey, be hospitable. Every single believer should be hospitable, should show hospitality to, to other people. To strangers is technically what it's saying. Every single one, every believer, this is a command. You can go back into the book of Exodus. It started with Moses and the law. Show hospitality to each other. So how do we love each other? How, how do we pursue each other fervently? Well, open up your home to each other. You got a dinner table, so to speak? Invite people to come and sit at it. Share a meal together. Have some quality time, some good one-on-one conversations with people. That's really how you grow deeper with each other as well. Life groups will create an element of that, but they're very limited in how far you can actually go into those relationships as well. They're not perfect. But when you open up your home to like one couple, maybe a couple of couples, the whole church this Sunday at the Parker's house with a barbecue, right? Like beyond that, like when you're, when you're opening up and you're having like maybe one or two couples over, you get to have these intimate conversations, hopefully about the Lord, and you grow in your relationship as a body, but then also with your relationship with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. We need to do that more. I can tell you this, society is trying to get you away from that. Okay, it really is. And it's done a fantastic job of it. It's created this thing called social, quote unquote, media, where you know everyone, but you know nobody, right? You got thousands of friends, but you don't know them. You don't know them. And now you have this problem. I call everybody my friend. Nelly's like, they're not your friend. I'm like, well, I know, but you know, they're my friend. Um, They were nice to me. They're my friend. Maybe I'm a little naive, I guess. But it's walled us off. It's like boxed us out from each other. Nobody wants to get together anymore. Why? You, you can't do that through social media. I don't care how significant or you know, sophisticated it gets and you know, virtual reality and all that other stuff. To have a face-to-face conversation with somebody around a dinner table with food is present, social media cannot give that to you. But man, it has come in and it has stolen hospitality from us. Open up your homes, 
invite people over, share a meal together. And if you're going to do that, just like with your giving, do it without grumbling, okay? <laughs> like, nobody wants to come to your house if you're grumbling about it the whole time, okay? You're like, oh, I can't believe we got to do this and blah, 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 whatever. Like, okay, stop. You know, call them and say, we'll come over to your house, okay? Like, you know, don't invite anybody into that. Do it with a cheerful heart, with a cheerful heart. It says, last a little bit. Um, okay, yeah, so hospitality. Oh, I'm supposed to give you a list. Uh, sober-minded one, a sincere love, two. Um, hospitality, three. Look at that, I'm on track. Um, fourth one, fourth and final one. How to live in these last days. We serve one another. We serve one another. So let's, let's look at this. Um, Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, okay, wait, read that again. As each one, or as each, has received a gift. So that's, if you're a Christian, that's you. I don't have a gift. Oh, you do. You do, actually. You have a gift. I wish I could tell you what it was. Maybe through observation, I could help discern that or find that out. Um, The best way to figure out what your gift is, is just do something, okay? If you're just sitting in a chair, you're like, I don't know what my gift is. Well, then nobody's ever going to know. Like, do something. Find out. Like, find out what's not your gift, and then you'll find out what is your gift. Right? I've said this before. Go teach children's ministry. You'll learn from second number one if that's your gift or not. You're like, oh, this is not it. Well, you've got to stay there for at least today. All right? And then you can come out next week, and we'll put you somewhere else. We will help you discover that. And if that means we put you in the wrong place, then that's fine. We are not, we are not above making mistakes, okay? That's just who we are. You got to find out what it is because you have one. You have one. And that's, that's not Pastor James. That's the word of God. Each one has a gift. Okay, so you've been given this gift. It is, it is a gift. He says, use it to serve one another. Your gift is not for your benefit. It is not for you. It is for other people. Okay? I don't care how cool your gift is. It ain't for you. It's for other people. If you've got the gift of hospitality, use your gift, right? And there's a whole list, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe as well, talks about, you know, lays out these different gifts, and they're all, all kind of differing in one sense. Find out what those gifts are, but use them Last part of this, as good stewards of God's varied grace or multicolored grace is technically what that says. It's just, uh, it's, it's grace is like you can't, it's, it's so varied. It's amazing. The grace of God. Do a deep dive into the grace of God. You will not be disappointed. You'll probably spend the rest of your life learning about that one though. Okay? I love, I've always been, that was like, when I got saved, I don't know if I said this before, but the grace of God was the one thing I'm like, I I, look, I have no problem. You died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. I got no problems with that at all. You rose from the grave. I believe that. I got no problem with that at all. You're going to come back. Believe it. The grace of God, man, I have a hard time with that one. That's hard for me. It is hard for me to receive, but even like to wrap my mind around it has been a lifelong journey for me, but man, I pursue it. But I pursue just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I just close the book on it and set it off to the side. I want to know more about it because it's grace. It's grace that changes everything. That's why Chuck Smith wrote that book, Why Grace Changes Everything. It's a brilliant book. It's a beautiful book. And his grace, man, you need a good motivator in your life. 
read about the grace of God. But you are good stewards, be, or you should be good stewards of God's varied grace. So imagine you have, um, you have an owner who owns a house, but that owner delegates everything to a house manager, okay? The house manager has no wealth of their own. Everything that they have has been supplied to them and given to them from the owner of the house. That's what you and I are. We are home managers, so to speak. We have no wealth on our own concerning the grace of God. We are just stewards of the grace that he gives to us. Don't waste his grace. Do not waste it. Do not waste it. He's invested that into you. And there will be a day when he comes to collect on that. And how are you reinvesting that grace that he has supplied to you? Okay, because he'll be coming to collect on those accounts. Right? So he freely gives, you out, gives out this grace. More than, what you can, more than what you and I can handle. But he will come to, so to speak, you know, check the books. Be like, all right. So what'd you do with all that grace that I asked you to manage? I hid it away. You hid it away. Well, it wasn't meant for you to hide it away. The same thing with that parable of the talent. Well, I didn't ask you to bury it in the backyard. I wanted you to reinvest that. So you and I reinvest this thing. We're stewards. Be a good steward of, of the varied grace of God. By, uh, it goes on, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. So there's, there's concerning the gifts. He doesn't, you know, it's, it's not an all-inclusive kind of thing, but he's talking about there are gifts where you're required to teach and speak, and then there's other giftings that you're just required to serve. So if your gifting, or however that works out for you in your service to him, is as a speaker and teaching the word of God, whether it's here or in those classrooms over there, you speak as if speaking the, the words of God, the oracles of God, okay? Now, don't get it twisted. Not everything you say is the word of God, all right? So if you hear a pastor spewing a bunch of nonsense just because he's a pastor doesn't mean that's the word of God, right? There's also a gift called discernment. Let's use it, okay? There's some podcasts we shouldn't be listening to concerning preachers. Turn those off. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe, because not everything that they're saying is like the oracles of God, Okay? But if you are one, one who speaks as he speaks the or, as is one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, so if this is behind the scenes kind of a thing, one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You can't do it on your own. He never intended for you to do it on your own. He will supply you everything you need. If you're a speaker, to say what's needed. If you're a servant, to have the strength to serve. God will supply all of your needs, all of your needs. Last bit, in order that everything, or in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. And that's Peter just like, boom, hey, I know you guys are having a hard time, but here's what's going to help you. Pray, be sober-minded, sincerely love each other, be hospitable, serve each other. And do it all for the glory of God. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
you're at all familiar with the book of Job, then you can easily see how the book of 1 Peter ties into Job's experience of suffering. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You might ask, why aren't the unrighteous the ones that experience suffering and hardship? Why are those that want to follow God with all their hearts the ones that face trials? The truth is, it doesn't make sense to anyone who doesn't know God. But by knowing Him, you're willing to endure hard things, trusting that there's good ahead. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter states, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and fear. So the next time you have an opportunity to share your testimony, make sure you include the fact that yes, you go through trials, but it's God working in and through you that gives you and others hope for the future. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken as we go through the book of 1 Peter. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. For those of you in the area, we would love to see you this Sunday. We meet every Sunday at 10 in the morning and every Thursday at 7 in the evening. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that laid-back atmosphere, you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad that you decided to spend your day with us. And we look forward to the next edition with you in the book of 1 Peter, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.